0: Yo 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 yo! Welcome back, everybody! Welcome back! Welcome back, everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Uh, so this is going to be quick and brief, uh, more so like a bonus content, Bo- bonus content, bonus segment where I wanted to talk about some quarterbacks, um, and the quarterback coach dynamic. You know, because we're looking at Dak. Am I? You can go, please, please do before I even get into this, um go listen to the episode that I dropped earlier this week really good uh basically broke down the Cowboys Wow, I bo- I broke down most of the wild card games uh and looked ahead to some divisional matchups as well and ranked the remaining playoff teams so I would encourage you guys to go listen to that before you even dive into this because uh, uh a lot of what I talked about uh on that on the previous episode kind of cor- correlates It's gonna correlate what I talk about with this with this type of content as far as the quarterback and coach tandem, Um, and where should I start? Like I said, this is just bonus content, bonus segment. Uh, So I would say I would encourage you guys to go listen to the previous episode, but if you did already, stay here and listen to this. So going into divisional weekend, right? Going into the divisional round of playoffs, we have eight remaining teams. And of the eight remaining teams, I think you look at you look at uh Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, Joe Barrow, uh Tennessee, obviously very bull, Tannehill. Uh then you look at Kansas City, you got uh Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Josh Allen, Buffalo with Sean McDermott. And then the NFC side, you obviously got Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, uh, Sean McVay, and then Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, I think every out of the eight teams remaining, seven offensive head coaches are favored. Seven offensive head coaches are favored, so I think there's a trend. It, it, uh, there's a trend in our league. I think there's a trend in the NFL where we're currently watching. I think the rules is designed for offenses to be high octane and to have more success and to score more points and more yardage and so forth. So I think it is an increase. It's it's becoming like a heightened increase um, or a heightened thing to have an offensive minded coach along paired with a really good quarterback. And I talked about the I talked about Dak and the Cowboys. Um and I think these situations are different, but as far as the quarterback and how to enhance their ceilings, it could be the same. We could we could have the same conversation. And I thought so, like I said, I talked about Dak and the Cowboys wild card loss to the 49ers. And I talked about the Patriots loss and which What's the next step for them with Mac Jones? And even I didn't talk much about it, but even Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts in their situation, they have confirmed that Jalen Hurts is going to be their starter going into next year. So they're not going to even take a chance. They're not going even gonna. They're not going even attempt to try to go the, the after Deshaun Watson or uh, Russell Wilson, even though they have the assets. Philadelphia has the assets. They have three first round picks along with some cap space. So, but regardless, they're going with Jalen Hurts. That's their guy. Uh, and As I said on a previous episode, I talked about Dak Prescott and the future of the Patriots. So I say all this to say, <laughs> first, I, I, more so with Dallas, because the thing with New England is they still have an A head coach. Despite Belichick being a def- I know I'm talking about offensive minded coaches. Despite Belichick being a defensive-minded coach, he's still an A coach. So I think if you give him if you can surround him offensively, if they can do if New England can be better and add and increase their skill positions offensively, I think they would be better. But with Dallas, as I talked about, as I outlined, they have Potentially, well, not potentially, but they do. They got two issues. It is, first, Dak and his play versus the rest of the competition. You look at this, for instance, you look at this year. I'm not even going to go look at uh, non-division teams. I'm going to look at playoff teams that Dak played this year, excluding the Eagles. Excluding the Eagles because the Eagles obviously made the playoffs, but they play in the NFC East, excluding the Eagles, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, they were one in five versus playoff teams. Uh, Dak's completion percentage took a dip. It took a dip from, you know, near the 70s all the way to the mid 60s 12, 12 touchdowns to five interceptions and a passer rating of 92, which isn't terrific which isn't terrific at all and yards per game like every major passing statistical category takes a dip when Dak steps outside of his division especially when he plays against teams that have winning records and that make the playoffs and as I talked about early in the year um, and even heading into the playoffs I talked about how hey in order to advance throughout the playoffs and get to the conference championship and get to the super, like you got to be able to beat these quarterbacks and these coaches that are A level coaches. Sean McVay, A. Blue Arians, really good, really great coach. Kyle Shannon, A coach. Matt LaFleur, I think he's a really good coach. I, I you know, I, like I said, it's, you can't. You can't continue to win thirteen games on a yearly basis, and we just and we just continue to say, "Oh, cause, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers." No, no, Aaron Rodgers is great, but I also think Matt LaFur can coach as well. Two things can be true. So, and then also, you, you know, the same similar situations out in the AFC, and with Dak, I think <clears throat> Dallas they have done they have done a lot to surround him with great talent offensive line even though I think Tyron Smith I think this year kind of proved it and you know down the stretch Ty- Tyron Smith is no longer an elite left tackle. He is no longer an elite left tackle in this league. He's not. But despite that from Dax for most of his career, he's had an above average uh offensive line damn near a very good out offensive line, like top five unit in football, usually. Uh, Zeke, even though Zeke hasn't been the same for years now, um, he still gives, he still has some type of value, especially in the passing game, as far as pass protection. Uh, But obviously they got Tony Pollard, who's turned into, who's turned into an emerging star on his own. And, you know, he's really talented. Uh, Then, obviously, we we know about the receivers that the Cowboys have. Michael Gallup, obviously, went out with injury. But Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz has turned into a really, you know, uh, dependable target. So, like, weapons and having talent offensively at the skill positions and important positions on the offensive end, that has not been the problem. And I talked about the problem on the previous episode, like I said. I think there is a coaching issue. I think there is a coaching issue, and we can talk about Dak has had these weapons and had pieces on offense, but ultimately, he's had average coaches. Jason Garrett, average coach. Mike McCarthy, average coach. Mike McCarthy is a B to B minus coach. You're not going to be able to win playoff games consistently if you're going up against Sean Sean McVay, Bruce Arians, along with Tom Brady, Matt LaFleur, along with Aaron Rodgers, Kyle Shanahan, who's an offensive mastermind, who's an offensive genius. And you have Mike McCarthy, who is a B to B-minus coach. And then Dak, like I said, Dak, we wonder why, his play and his performance dips and take a dip when he's playing up against playoff teams, well, I think a portion of it is his coaching is average. The scheming is average. The talent might be immense. Like, the talent around him may be immense, and he may have talent around him, but overall, his coaching is average. The coaching that he's had is average. I think that's at least part of the reason why Dak, and his performance take a dip. I think the other half is, Dak just isn't an A level quarterback. He's not. He's like we, you can't possibly watch that wild card game. You can't possibly look at Dak versus teams this year that had winning records and say he's on the same level as Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, hell, even Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. You can't say that. Now, playing against the NFC East, he looks really great. Dak looked like a top-five quarterback when he's playing up against the NFC East. The NFC East, he looked like a top-five quarterback. But overall, on most days, especially against top-tier talent, Dak Prescott looks like a B quarterback. He's a B. He's a B quarterback. And I did some research because uh, I've been thinking about this ever since I talked about Dak and the Cowboys situation with Mike McCarthy, who I think is an average coach. I went back and I looked at all of the Super Bowl champions. I looked at all the Super Bowl champions. And there's a couple instances where. A team won the Super Bowl because their defense was an all-time great team, all time because their defense was an all-time great great defense. I'm talking like 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens, 2002 Buccaneers, 2015 Broncos. Like, yeah, those teams they ultimately won Super Bowls because, like, (laughs) their 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 defenses were all-time great defenses, all-time great units. And then most of those teams usually had really good coaches as well. But for the most part, you look at these Super Bowl champions, it's usually paired with a really good quarterback, with an elite coach, or an elite coach with, an elite quarterback or an elite quarterback with like a really good coach. It's usually that. If you look at the list of Super Bowl winners, like I said, there's a couple outliers. There's there's outliers in everything in life. So there's a couple outliers. You know, there's teams that get hot and go on runs. But for the most part, you look at these Super Bowl champions the list of Super Bowl champions, it's usually a great quarterback at the helm paired with a good to great or an elite coach or vice versa. An elite coach paired with a really good quarterback. That's usually what it is. So I say that to say this. I think Dak like I said, I don't think he's elite. I don't think he is a A quarterback. Do I think he's a B quarterback? Yeah, I think most days, Dak looks like a B quarterback. Most days looks like a B quarterback. Um, I think he has his days sometimes. Like I said, versus like the NFC East, sometimes Dak look like an A quarterback. But for the for for the most part, if I had to put money down. Dak is going to look like a B quarterback. He's a B quarterback. On most days, most Sundays, he's a B quarterback. So with that, you have to have an elite coach. And Mike McCarthy is not an elite coach. Mike McCarthy is not an elite coach. So, that's that. I wanted to go more further. I wanted to go further and in depth into that. But even with I look at New England's situation with Mac Jones because i I hear certain people say, "Oh, well, Belichick, he's kind of increased Mac Jones' trade value, and this could be like, I don't know, the perfect time to move off of Mac Jones since he's his trade value has gone up, and you know, Mac Jones had a pretty impressive rookie year. Why not? and I and like like, okay, first of all, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that route. I'm gonna take the route. Let's just say Belichick plea is pleased with Mac Jones, rookie performance, rookie season, which I think he is overall. Um the, the and given the given the situation, like I think New England, I think people, certain people had New England as like world beaters and still the class at AFC. I didn't. I knew their respectful place. I told you guys, they were going to be a 10-11 to win team. Uh, I still didn't think they were better than Buffalo because I thought Buffalo, you line up and look at Buffalo's 22 versus New England's 22, I thought Buffalo had the better team. Turns out I was right. They won two out of the three games this year that they played against each other. So even with New England having an edge as far as like coaching, I still thought Buffalo was the better team. I was right. So with New England, I I, I don't think this is I, – I don't think – I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit, uh, peel back the layers, and let's really understand what New England was this year. New England, obviously an all-time great coach with Belichick with a very good defense with good offensive line play and able to run the football but they had a li- they had limitations offensively on what they can do and really they couldn't beat you a multitude of ways what made the patriots dynasty for over the past 20 years great was that they had a multitude of ways and just multifaceted ways to beat you this particular new england team this patriots team it, it like a lot of their wins follow the same formula which was they can't fall behind they have to get a early lead they're able to control time of possession their defense is able to force a turnover or two and Mac Jones comes in and play highly efficient football doesn't turn over the football that was usually how they won And a lot of their losses this year look very much like the same. An occasional rookie mistake, an occasional rookie turnover from Mac Jones, which would lead to the opposing team getting a early lead and New England's defense still being really good, but it's giving up points. Then that means New England offensively has to change it's style of play, dare I say, and become this pass happy and throw the ball down the field. And that that just didn't work. That's just they didn't win games like that. Very seldom did the Patriots win games that way. That's how they lost a lot of the games. You look at a, you look at all of their losses, all seven of their regular season losses, or I should say all eight of their or all eight of their losses this year, including the postseason usually followed that formula turnovers from the offense fall behind early. And then offensively, you're asking Mac Jones to overcome a deficit. And then that's where he has to put the ball in harm's way. He has to take more risk down the field than he would like, than he would occasionally like to. And then that's what you get. So I'm thinking with new England, I don't think you should move off of Mac Jones, Right. I think you give him like we got to give we got to give Mac Jones another year uh, right and I would like to see New England get some more talent on the outside I think that's the next step like I like, like I said money was well spent this off season and Belichick did have a pretty good draft now this past year that means he has to have another pretty good draft as well and he has to spend he's got to spend money to be well spent this year again I think that's the next step for New England. adding more perimeter talent, adding more explosiveness on the perimeter so you don't have to always follow this same one recipe to win games you can you can occasionally fall behind that's what makes these that's what make the remaining teams most of these remaining teams so good and I'm talking about like the four I'm talking about like the Rams the Chiefs, the Bills, the Packers. They have a multitude of ways to beat you. You know, Kansas City can fall behind t- two scores, three scores, and they can come back and they can find some momentum, some way, somehow, and they can put it together and they can come back from a two-score deficit. You got to be able to have that, ca- that type of capability. In uh, New England, all year just didn't have that. Um, so, I, like I said, I'm not really—I uh, wasn't surprised that they uh, that they lost to Buffalo. I, I, I thought the game would be a little close, a little bit closer than what it was. But I did think the game had blowout potential. Um, but I didn't see a thirty-point win from Buffalo. I did not see that coming. I didn't. But that's—I think we, if we put things in proper perspective. That's what New England was this year. A 10-win, 11-win team, really dominant defense, especially at times, during that that winning streak that they went on, I think that like seven-game, eight-game win streak, defense was very dominant and forcing turnovers left and right, being very optimistic. But essentially, their offense had a ceiling. And that was because their quarterback had a ceiling. And he's a rookie. It's okay, But that's what it is. That's what he is. That's just the truth. So and I'm looking ahead. Like I said, I already made my predictions for the divisional playoffs this upcoming weekend. I made my predictions already. I feel pretty confident about it. Um, But even looking at the divisional week, uh, the divisional games this year, uh, this week, Quarterback play going to be important. Can Stafford and, – and, you know, for instance, I picked the Rams to beat the Buccaneers this week. Uh, I think the Rams, ultimately, their defensive line is going to give Tampa Bay a lot of trouble. I think their defensive line is going to give Tampa Bay a lot of trouble, and they're going to be able to rattle Tom Brady. And just looking at the past two times that the Rams and Buccaneers have faced off, the Rams have been able to just physically have their way and control the line of scrimmage from the start versus Tampa Bay. So I think ultimately that will cost the Rams, or I should say ultimately that's going to cost the Buccaneers, and I think the Rams come out on top. But with that being said, I have my questions about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's going to be really important. I don't think he's going to be able to, I think, this is just my guess. I'm going to take an educated guess. I think Matthew Stafford is going to have to throw the ball a little more than 17 times. <laughs> he threw the ball 17 times versus Arizona because the Rams were able to impose their wheel and just have just run the ball getting seven and eight yards of carry. Like I said, I'm going to make an educated guess. I don't think that's going to happen versus Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to get seven yards of carry versus Tampa Bay. So that means Matthew Stafford's got to actually throw the ball to win, and he's got to make some big-boy throws. Now, I think Matthew Stafford has a talent. I think he's capable. He's more than capable of making those big-boy caliber type of throws. But he has this recklessness that sometimes gets in his way, and it, it just don't look too good. It doesn't look too pretty. And if he has these first half turnovers that put the Rams in these holes um or their offense is in a slump, I think that's where Tampa Bay, that's where Tampa Bay's chance is. Rattling Stafford early, forcing a turnover or two, and just having a Rams offense in a slump. I think that's Tampa Bay's chance. But like I said, ultimately. I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to lean with the Rams. Um, You know, I think Tampa Bay, they got some injuries. uh, And I think the Rams have unlike a lot of teams in the NFC or in general throughout the league, they have the defensive line to rattle Tom Brady. They have that. And then right tackle Tristan worse for the Buccaneers. It doesn't help that he's also dealing with an injury and so forth. So I think, the Rams will try to control the line of scrimmage and they will impose their will. And I think ultimately, that's what put them over the top versus Tampa Bay. Uh, Look at Buffalo. Obviously, we got a really good matchup versus Kansas City and Buffalo. I think Kansas City, I pick Kansas City to come out on top. I think it's gonna be a a classic shootout. But I think I still, the the reason why I'm gonna lean with Kansas City first is, uh, Mahomes, I trust Mahomes more than Josh Allen. Mahomes, despite him, being, he has a little recklessness to his game as well. Um, but I think consistently, Patrick Mahomes is more consistently a high performer. He's a higher, he's like, he's a high, he's more consistently a consistent high performer than Josh Allen is. That's what he is. So with Josh Allen, I still see a little bit of the recklessness from a week to week basis. Like last week versus New England, he looked great. <laughs> That was probably the best game I've seen Josh Allen play. But from week to week, it can vary. So as a high-level performer, Mahomes is a more consistent high-level performer week in week out than Josh Allen, and that's why I'm going to take that's why I'm going to take uh Kansas City over Buffalo. Um plus Mahomes has never lost to anybody to any team two times in one year. Never. Never. So uh, I think Andy Reid will be ready. I think offensively, I'm ready to see an offensive shootout. Offensive, I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see a 38-41 type of game. I'm I'm all ready for that because I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, like I said, Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's gonna, I think their role comes to an end. I take Tennessee and then Green Bay and the 49ers. Um Like I said, 49ers, they got as good as a shot as anybody. But I I think Aaron. I think Aaron knows how important this game is. Uh, and i take Green Bay to win. I think they'll get a, I think they'll squeak past San Francisco. But yeah. The quarterback thing, the quarterback coach thing, I find it very interesting. Um, Like I said, in Dallas, I think you got to move off of Mike McCarthy. It's going to be very hard to move off a Dak who's very expensive, and you just paid him, and you literally gave him everything. Mike McCarthy is a little bit more easier to move. And at this juncture, he's a B to B minus coach. He's an average coach. He's average. And I think I might be being a little too nice with the B to B minus. That's me being generous. But he's an average coach. Average coach. And with New England and Mac Jones, Mac Jones, who I think does have a more of a high floor, low ceiling type of guy, but he has an all-time great coach in Bill Belichick. He's a great coach. He doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, as Longest as New England look to booster up those skill positions, I think they'd be fine. Uh I don't think we should, you know, trade Mac John. I don't know. New England needs to booster up that skill position in their roster. They gotta they gotta they gotta boost that up. But just a short little segment. I thought I'd come on and talk about the quarterback coach tandem. Uh it's been something I've been I that I peaked at on the previous episode. Uh and just some little bonus content, some little bonus content that this will drop on Saturday. So you'll be got you guys. It'll be Saturday when you guys are hearing this. Hopefully uh, you you hear this before the games air. Uh, but without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Peace. Deuces. <clears throat>